الجزيره بودكاست Explosions in a shopping street in Istanbul, Turkish air raids in Syria and Iraq. Just watch the news these days and you'll notice that troubled Turkish-Kurdish dynamic has got even more messier lately. Now there's even talk of a Turkish cross-border ground offensive. everyone and welcome to the Essential Middle East podcast. I'm Sami Zaydan. Turkey's defense ministry said more than 80 sites were hit across northern Syria and Iraq, including bunkers, weapon depots and terror training camps. So why has Turkey carried out airstrikes against the PKK or Kurdistan Workers' Party and its affiliates in Syria and Iraq? The airstrikes come after the terror attack in Istanbul. The operation was carried out against bases that were used by the YPG terror group. All right, so here's where it can get a little bit messy. Turkey bombed the YPG. That's the Syrian branch of a group called the PKK. Now, Turkey and much of the West considers the PKK to be a terrorist organization. But the YPG is also the backbone of something called the Syria Democratic Forces, or SDF, which, it so happens, was formed, trained and armed by the US. Kind of like calling your neighbor a crazy gangster, but arming his kids anyway to protect the neighborhood. Ankara readying for a wider operation to clear the YPG fully from its border regions, and will ground troops be involved? The Pentagon is warning the Turkish attacks on Syrian fighters will endanger U.S. personnel inside Syria to defeat ISIS. Let's try and unfold all of this now with our guest. This is Taha Ozhan from Ankara. I am the research director of Ankara Institute, an academic research center, a think tank, former chairman of Turkish Parliament's Foreign Relations Committee. So Taha, there seemed to be a lull in the fighting between Turkey and armed Kurdish groups before November the 13th. What prompted that bombing in Istanbul? Nothing is new. We are literally talking at least 40 years old story. If you want to go back even deeper, you need to go back to 1978, where PKK started to be formed. And then in 1982, they made a congress and decided to jump into armed struggle. Oh, we'll go back even further than that. Just give us a second. Definitely. But things were relatively quiet, right? And then November 13th, Explosions go off in Istanbul. Why? To answer your question, there is no answer. And usually in PKK attacks, you could not find a rational answer because last 20 years are quite different than what was happening between 1980 to 2002-2003. Why is that? Because in 1980, Turkey had a terrible, bloody coup d'etat. Hundreds of thousands of people suffered from there. Hundreds of people hanged, people killed before the coup d'etat process. But last 20 years, we, when we're talking about PKK, we are talking about Kurdish resolution project, Kurdish peace process, resolution project again in 2013. So there was a government who are trying to solve the problem politically while giving a fight against this armed terrorist group. So right. it was different. That's why whenever PKK attacked, especially last 10 years, you could not give any sensible or rational explanation why they are doing it. 
Question from this way, Taha. Who benefits from an intensification of the fighting right now? No one. PKK gained nothing, Kurds gained nothing, definitely Turkey gained nothing. This is a loss-loss game. This is going back more than 40 years, and it's a unique case globally. There are plenty of armed groups, terrorist organizations, but no one is similar to PKK. All right, since we're talking about going back to the root causes of this trouble. Let's go back to the colonial days, the end of colonialism, colonial powers dividing up the Middle East into countries, but they left the Kurds without a state. Instead, they became scattered minorities in Iraq, Turkey, Syria, Iran, and so on. That was the beginning of this issue. There was always Kurdistan, historically, a geographic region, time to time a political entity, self-government even through Iran to Ottoman regions. It was always existed over there. The problem was the new states established after the First World War, they were all fanatically nation states and they were all kinds of ideological, ethnic-based visions and the projects. Turkey had one and the Kemalism created such a state and it didn't work out for decades. Right. And it turned itself into armed struggle in right after the coup d'etat in 1980. It was the worst decision. Those things happened in the atmosphere of Cold War. So all of these states have more or less Different armed Kurdish groups, which are fighting the governments of Turkey, Iraq, Syria, Iran, and so on, right? In Turkey, groups like the PKK launched a very bloody campaign that's targeting civilians. And that's why the EU, the US, and Turkey have considered the PKK a terrorist organization. In 1978, PKK formed as a Marxist-Leninist group, fanatically ideological group, and very young people, by the way, who has no experience at all, very easy to manipulate. And where were they? They were in Syria. So we are back to root cause of the place. Right. They were in Syria. And in 1979, Assad moved them to Lebanon, back Wali. And in 1982, they jump onto armed struggle. And since then, the conflict continues. And the terrorism is the main tool of this organization. And the first cross-border operation, by the way, happened in 1983. So there is nothing new. That's why I said nothing is new. This is a bit of history repeating itself. Yes, first cross-border operation took place in 1983 in Iraq. And about a year later, in October 1984, Turkey and Baghdad signed a security agreement called Ankara Agreement. And since then, Turkey somehow de facto right to have cross-border operations. And since Gulf War, Turkey has even military posts all over the northern Iraq. So nothing is new happening, only replicating itself in Syria. Also in 1998, Turkey and the Damascus regime signed Adana Agreement. And according to that Adana Agreement, Syrian government would recognize PKK as a terrorist organization, would not allow PKK to establish any posts, camps or anything else, and also extradite Abdullah Öcalan, the leader of the organization. They did all of them. And they even gave a legitimate right to Turkey. If any of these things repeat itself, Turkey would have a right to chase PKK in Syria. And that's still happening, right? The PKK 
has either a presence or it has affiliates in Syria and Iraq, like the YPG in Syria. And that's why we're seeing Turkish air raids on places inside Syria and Iraq. Definitely. And this was how that YPG thing is popped up in Syria. In 1998, both Ankara and Damascus agreed on something. And more or less, I should say, Assad complied with the agreement. They didn't let PKK to operate as they did in 1980s and 1990s. And what happened was, during the Arab uprisings, the U.S. actually recreated PKK in Syria. So let's simplify it again and bringing it back to the air raids by Turkey. You've mentioned that this thing has been going on for a while. Past air raids didn't wipe out the PKK or its affiliates in Syria and Iraq. Will these air raids do the job? It's not easy to say that because at the end of the day, right now, YPG is not a unique, distinct group. Rather, they are operating as a proxy actor of U.S. Basically, we're talking about the Kurds in Syria. Definitely. So the U.S. supported them because the U.S. needed them to fight against ISIS. Will Turkish air raids this time make a difference? It depends on. They deal with Russia and the U.S., Mm. Because Ankara wants to cover the other parts of the Euphrates, which they did in last four or five years, the current area which Turkish security forces are working with local Arab forces and some Kurdish forces. If they had such an agreement, then PKK and the PYD, YPG, renaming them, renaming the brand which US did, SDF and other things, it's not working. At the end of the day, the core of the group, the managing body of the group is the PKK. So they are running the business. This is really interesting. I'm glad you mentioned this, Taha, because it's like when you listen to the Americans say, saying we will not accept groups in Syria that we consider to be Al-Qaeda rebranded. And this is basically what you're talking about and what we often hear from officials from Turkey as well, that this is PKK taking on new acronyms, whether it's the Syrian Democratic Forces or YPG, and we're not having it. That's the Turkish line. By the way, Sami, this is not a new tradition. PKK has several times changed its name in the last 40 years. Anyone who is closely following the PKK knows that very well. In different congress they had, they changed their names several times. The issue is PKK is a listed terrorist organization in Washington and in Brussels and European capitals. And they are attempting a killer solution for Syria, using one group of terrorists to fight another. A final question before we take a break. Will a ground offensive be more successful than past ground operations? You mentioned that this has been going on since the 80s. Yes. But in 80s, it was quite different. In 90s, quite different. Even up until 2016, it was different. What was the main difference? Main difference was operation was limited. The Turkish forces was attacking and they are destroying as much as they could. And they were leaving back. 
But since 2016, this is a comprehensive military operation. So wherever Turkey chases them, it settles over them using either directly uh, Turkish forces or the forces working with Turkey. So it's quite different. So if Turkey intervenes, which Ankara uh, wants to have 30 kilometers secure area. A buffer zone, I think. President Erdogan's been talking about a buffer zone. Yes, buffer zone. Do you think that's possible? It is possible and it will happen one way or another regardless of Ankara's operation because Washington or Moscow cannot hold on PKK as long as they want. There is a limit. And Washington has a what? Huge history of working with such groups in Afghanistan, in Asia, etc. It is not working. Let's take a quick break now. We'll be back in a second. This week on The Take, a look at how sports and protest have collided in Iran. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, guys. The US arms, it supports the YPG, which Turkey is targeting with air raids. That's going to put a bit of a dent, isn't it, on Turkey-US relations? Not much, because since May, Turkey using drones, armed drones, and attacking PKK all over the region. That is telling me there is already an understanding Mm. between Washington and Ankara. And it will continue, because this is also Washington's problem. They don't know how to solve it, by the way. And the reason they have such a problem is Obama administration surrendered itself entirely to military approach. And this was their solution. PKK, use it if this is useful right now for us. But it will create a bunch of problems with Turkey in region. It is unacceptable. We already list them as a terrorist organization. Doesn't matter. All they looking is it's a useful tool and we could use it. And they didn't regard any geopolitical, political... Implications. Yes. All right. I want to ask this, though. Might this... You said nothing is new. Might this be new? The possibility of the U.S. being dragged into the conflict, the U.S. military has said there were two rocket attacks targeting its patrol bases in Syria. They didn't say who fired those rocket attacks, but does it raise the question or the possibility this time that the U.S. could find itself dragged into some kind of conflict if its personnel are harmed? I am not expecting that thing to escalate that level, but PKK could make provocations. Mm. It's the easiest thing. And I'm quite sure if there is any political security governance in White House and State Department, they need to review what they did since 2014 and 15. And this relationship is not sustainable and they cannot continue as it is. Yeah, it seems like some of the U.S. officials seem to recognize they have an issue here. In 2016, I'm sure you remember the U.S. Defense Secretary admitting that, hey, yes, the U.S. knows the YPG has substantial ties to the PKK, which Washington considers a terrorist organization. That opens up the U.S. position to accusations of supporting terrorist-linked groups, to double standards, and so on, right? 
Sami, everybody knows the elephant in the room. Mm. This is not an issue of uh, U.S. is uninformed. They don't know what it is, SDF is. Everybody knows. Mm. The problem is for Biden administration, after long years, because Biden was part of the problem during the Obama administration, are they going to have a geopolitical, sustainable perspective regarding Syria and the Middle East? That's the macro question. If they are not going to have it, military will fill. And the way military filling or answering that question is such a mess. We've got to talk about Turkey's relations with other countries too and get a kind of macro picture of what's happening. Because around the same time Turkey has been launching raids in Iraq and Syria, Iran has been launching attacks on Kurdish groups in Iraq. They may be different Kurdish groups, but still they are armed Kurdish groups. Is this a coincidence, Taha, or is this some kind of alliance between Ankara and Tehran? No, it is not an alliance. On fight against terrorism regarding PKK, the alliance between Tehran and Ankara uh, was not great in any time. Mm. So Iran also was, in a sense, part of the problem. Was there any coordination, though, or is this purely coincidental? Maybe. For me, it looks like coincidental, but if there is any military coordination, which I don't know, but uh, historically, it was not a very fruitful, effective relationship. That's what I'm saying. Between Turkey and Iran? Definitely. Time to time, they were also harboring such activities. But right now, Iran is having its own domestic problems, and it's the extension of those domestic problems, because they don't want to see the Kurdish part of Iran is being very active part of the protest wave uh, within Iran. Did Turkey have to coordinate with Russia before conducting raids in Syria? Logic kind of suggests that it probably did. Yes, they did. Russia is not a new in this game. Maybe they are seen as a new player in Syria actively, militarily. But no, historically, PKK formed itself in the atmosphere of Cold War. And definitely, Russia had its stake while it was forming itself in late 1970s. And since then, they always had a relationship. Russia started to receive all kinds of PKK leadership, opening their offices in Moscow and doing everything in an open way. Nothing was secret. Mm. Even Lavrov was meeting with the actors in those years, in 2015, uh, I'm talking about. Right. And that relationship is still over there. And on the ground, they are having relationship directly and also indirectly through uh, Damascus. Their relationship is not new and it goes all the way back to early 1980s. So these actors are one way or another, they know PKK, they have relationship, it was up and down in those years, but they do have relationship. The biggest problem is U.S. relationship. U.S. trying to formalize, legitimize its relationship, which is literally impossible. It is unsustainable. And there is very important new element right now, Sami, which is the invasion attempt of Ukraine. And it literally changed entire geopolitical calculation in the region, mm. not only in the Black Sea and Europe, but it will arrive Syria as a Russian file. Not only because U.S. at some day would like to pressure Russia in Syria, Russia is exhausting itself in Syria too. Mm. It's not easy to continue military activities, one invasion in Ukraine, and at the same time somehow provide entire security to Damascus regime, not only in northern Syria, but entire Syria. 
just to focus back, are you suggesting that maybe Russia being busy with other things might give more of an opening, an opportunity for Turkey? Not only because they are busy, but one way or another, Russians knew they cannot hold on the region in an intensive way as Turkey holds on. So Mm. one way or another, a day will come up and they need to somehow coordinate with Turkey. I've got a final question, which I hope will be easier to answer. How about this one? The military operations going on by Turkey, by Iran, will they impact the domestic political situations in both countries, whether we're talking about the build-up for next year's elections in Turkey or the protests in Iran? In protests, Iran, it may have leverage and effect because such a thing is happening as a new phenomenon in Iran. Yes, there were protests, but if you recall, most of them were right after the election, against election fraud, against what? Non-democratic process of election. Usually that was what we have been seeing in Iran. So the Iranian political movements, whatever they are, they were very silent when uh, hundreds of thousands of people were being killed in Syria, in uh, Iraq, in Yemen, even in Afghanistan. So this is telling me this is a new phenomenon happening throughout Iran. But when it comes to Turkey, this is not a new phenomenon, Sami. This has been ongoing last 40 years almost. The Turkish nation, unfortunately, is living with terrorism. We're not used to it, but we know it very well. This is not a new thing for us, so that's why it's not going to be a leverage or very defining dynamic in general elections. All right, Daha, it's been a brilliant chat. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sami. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. This episode was produced by Khaled Sultan and Salem el as well as our intern, Neda Shakir. Sound design by George Elwir. Our engagement producer is Ayel Malik, and assistant engagement producer is Munira Dosri. Our executive producer, of course, is Omar Saleh, and Al Jazeera's head of audio is Ney Alvarez. I'm your host, Sami Zaydan. For now, it's goodbye.